Well, good morning. It's, it's good to be with you. My name is Tim Hardy. I'm the Global Ministries Pastor. Francis mentioned last week that um, I would be speaking. Um, and he actually said, Tim Hardy, Global Ministries Pastor. So I have two things against me this week. I'm not Francis. And I'm the Global Ministries Pastor. And people, when they hear that uh, anything, Global Ministries or missions or anything like that, people kind of run scared thinking that Francis has already asked me for my money, now Tim wants me to go. Um, and I just want to tell you, that's not where I'm at tonight. I'm not where I'm at this morning. That's not my desire. My desire is not to send you to Africa or Indonesia or, or anywhere else. So just want you to relax um, and, and understand that, okay? Um, being the Global Ministries Pastor, I have the privilege, I have the opportunity to beat the drum here. And that is my role, that is what God has called me to do here. And I'm beating the drum, and, and it's for two things. Um, I, want, I want to help our body, help the congregation here, help the church here to look up, okay? And what we're looking up to is we want to look up, gaze up, and see how great, how awesome, how magnificent, how glorious God is, okay? And, and that's one of the, the, the beats that I'm drumming here. I need to help, I want to help keep our focus looking up. But in addition to that, looking up, I also have been given the opportunity to help our our church look out. So we're looking up and looking out. And looking out in two different ways, two different windows I want you to think through. The first window is what we're going to call the 1040 window. And some of you know what the 1040 window is, but it's a section of the world where there's the most unreached people in the world where there's no access to the gospel, or maybe there's a the, the, the smidgen of the gospel, but it's not there in strong enough uh, stamina to, to reach out to those around them. And those are places that we need to be praying for and sending resources to because there are people that are willing to go that we're not, we're not funding right now. We need to help that happen. So looking up, looking out through that window. The second window we need to be looking out is the window that is at your house. As you're washing the dishes, you know, in your house, you're looking out and you're seeing that, that, that woman walk her dog or the kids playing in the street or your neighbors washing their car. That is the other window to be looking out, out to, that we have a responsibility to, to reach our community. Does that make sense? So beating the drum, looking out two different ways, looking up and looking out. That's what we're called to do. Now, this morning, my, my agenda for you is... is um, is to challenge us in a way that uh, we would be mobilized to do something, okay? And this morning, um, it, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there are historic times in, in Christianity. And this morning is the anniversary, or this weekend is the anniversary of something significant that has taken place in the Christian community. And it happened two years ago this weekend. And it's the Haystack Prayer Meeting, where five men got together um, around a haystack when it was raining and they just started seeking God and praying that God would um, reach this world. And they were mobilized in such a way that the student volunteer movement where thousands upon thousands of college students decided to forsake the American dream, forsake what this country offered, decided to go. And it was a movement where the United States actually saw the world as an opportunity to take the gospel too. And that started 200 years ago today or this weekend. Amazing, amazing thing. Seventy years ago, something happened in, in Eastern Africa called the A- uh, East African Revival, where the gospel fell, fell afresh on Rwanda and Uganda and Kenya, in that order, just kind of like flowed through. And we, we hear about what's taking place in Uganda. Uganda is the most Christianized 
African nation. Amazing things are happening in Uganda these days. I mean, we hear that all the time here. Okay? But what happened to Rwanda where it started? How many of you have seen Hotel Rwanda? A lot of you have. That's an amazing movie talking about the, the, the struggle between the Hutu people and the Tutsi people and the genocide that was taking place. How does something happen 70 years ago where God's transforming power hits that country and then you have the genocide that takes, years, takes place years later? How does that happen? Well, they, they were able to understand how to love God and how to focus their eyes on God. But in, in the meantime, while that was happening, they didn't understand how to love each other. And those are key discipleship areas that we have to think through. And I know over the past weeks and months, it's really been kind of mellow from the stage here. And you've just kind of, okay, what do you got for me, Todd? You know, and nothing really impactful has been said from the stage, right? <laughs> right? Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a mess, okay? And it seems like everybody gets up here, I'm a mess too. You know, it's like we're passing the candle, yeah. I'm a mess. You know, I'm a mess. And it's just been a deconstruction process because Todd's been challenging us all summer. And then we have a man like K.P. Hannon come in and kind of hit us from a different angle. And I've been reading his books. And it was just, he's just deconstructing who I am and what I'm living for. And it's painful, but it's good because it's a discipleship process. And, and, and walking with Jesus is not like this simple thing. It's a process and it's shaping and molding. And then last, last week was kind of mellow with Francis. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, and so I, I want to be gentle with you today, right? Because if you weren't here last week or you haven't listened to it, oh my, there's battered and bruised people here. And you woke up Monday morning going, what happened? I need another weekend. I need just, I need to lay low. Should I go to church next week? You know, what, what, you know, whatever the case. But you know what? When you get hit hard, you know, it's not because what Francis says, because you're going to, God's word is powerful. Okay, God's word is powerful and it's hitting you. And a lot of times it hits us where it what? Where it hurts. Because we're challenged. And that's the discipleship process. Um, four presuppositions I want to just kind of base things on. That we live in a, the first thing is we live, live in a lost, decaying, immoral, horrible world. Don't we? Right? You know, there's not a whole lot of good in this world. The second thing is that scripture is sufficient. How, why? You, why are you so silent? Is Scripture all we need? Oh my word, you, you don't believe it. Amen. Is Scripture sufficient? Church, come on. Oh my word. This one's, the next one's kind of, I'm afraid. Christ is King. All right, all right. <laughs> I feel like uh, this is like a, you know, Pavlov's dog or something. I'm going to ring a bell and you're like, <laughs> or something. All right? Christ is king, right? He's on the throne, all right? He is, he is the one, all right? He's the crowned prince. He is all. And because of that, the last thing, all authority has been given to him, okay? All authority, he says. All authority has been given to me. That's what he says. All authority has been given to me. How much authority? All, All of it. Okay? So we're starting on, the, that's the foundation we're building on, okay? It's a bad world. Sufficient is, uh, uh, scripture is sufficient. Christ is king and he has all authority. You understand? We got that? Okay, good. That's where we're going this morning.
I want you to think about um, your identity right now. I want you to think about um, when, you, when you process your life, when people look at you, how do they identify you? You could take out your wallet and look at your ID or take out your passport, you know, and it says, Tim Hardy, I live on Gibson in Simi Valley, uh, California, United States. I'm the, the husband of Kristen, the father of Caleb and Brooke. I have two dogs. Um, I'm not going to tell you their names, but one is called Dodger. <laughs> not good today, I tell you. Okay. So however you categorize yourself or identify yourself, maybe it's your work, maybe it's your, your family, maybe it's your sports that you're involved with. You know, some like I'm a whatever. How do you identify yourself? Because there's natural things that come out of that identification that go into your life. And what I want you to think about today is, is, is this. If we understand that our identity has implications to it, I want you to understand today, if you call yourself a d- disciple of Jesus Christ, what implications are there upon your life if that's the case? Because many times we accommodate things, don't we? And how many times have you accommodated Jesus Christ into your life? I am, I am a husband, I'm a father, I'm a school teacher, I work at Amgen, whatever the case may be. I have all these things and I accommodate, I tag Christianity into it. Where the reality is, if we have an accurate picture of God, if we see God high and lifted up and understand that there's a natural outpouring of that into what? Into our life. Instead of a tag on. And if I call myself a Christian, that is going to have natural implications. If I'm following Christ, if I have an accurate picture of God, there's going to be a natural outflowing of that identity into my relationship with my wife, into my relationship with my kids, into my place of employment, into my school, into the sports, into the whatever it may be. Instead of a tag that we put onto it. Oh, by the way, I go to church. Who cares? It's a little tag. And if, if we are disciples of Christ, there's a natural thing that needs to be flowing from us. And what I want us to do this morning is to be thinking about that, processing through that, whatever your identity. Many people will say that Cornerstone is a mission-minded church, a missional church, that we have a lot of activity going on. It's like people come to me, it's all oh, your missions, Pastor. Oh, I'm so pleased to see what all this stuff we're doing in the world. I'm, praise God. Praise God for that. My question for you, are you a missional person? You're like, whoa, Tim. I thought you were saying, hey, we're not going to send you to Africa. You know, and you back up and you're going like, hey, dude, slow down. I live in Simi Valley. I don't have to be missional. It's for a select few, and I'm not one of those few. I haven't been called to that. Now, let me open your eyes to something. Let me, are you listening? If you say you follow Christ, if you follow the Messiah, if you say that Christ has all the authority and he is king and you are subject under that king, you are missional. It is in your DNA. I used to think that we need to, at Cornerstone, change the DNA of our church, that we need to tweak things so people start looking up and looking out. That's what we need to do. We need to change the DNA. And then I realized, whoa, Tim, you're dumb. You can't change the DNA. It's already there. Because you follow Christ, that is in your DNA. Do you understand that? So it's not a select few. It's you. 
It is in your DNA. It's who you are. Because you follow Christ, that is part of your natural outflow. It needs to be. That is who you are. It's a natural thing that you are missional. Do we live missional lives? Are we focusing on that? It's ingrained in you. If you have a Bible, let's turn to First, first Peter chapter 2. First Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, verse verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me read that again. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Now there's so many similarities Uh, to this passage of how God looked at Israel in the Old Testament. They were a chosen people, a treasured possession. They were specifically given the task to be a part of God's redemptive plan in the world. Israel was significantly located in a place that was basically the center of the world. Everybody passed through Israel, the trade routes, everything. Israel was supposed to be a place where they were supposed to be obedient, to serve God. People would hear and people would come and seek to know this God of Israel. It was a place where people would be drawn to. Now you, you, you look here in First Peter. What does it say? It says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You know, many times when we think about our relationship with, with Christ, we think about the cost of discipleship, don't we? What are some costs of discipleship? What are some costs of following Christ? Take up your what? Take up your cross and what? Follow me. That's an easy thing to do, isn't it? Whoa! We, wow, we get to take up our cross. Yay! Alright? That's a daily thing that we have to do. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, what? Hey, you need to love your family. You need to love your mom, dad, brother, sister, wife, your kids more than you love me, right? No, he says, unless you hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your brother, hate your sister, you can't follow me. Now, if you're not familiar with that passage of Scripture, you're thinking this is a whacked out church, right? But the focus was, you know what? These things, these relationships in your life cannot have a higher precedent than my relationship with God. Right? Those are some significant costs to follow in Christ. And that was an attack upon the cultural system of the day. There's some significant costs. And so many times we focus on these costs, but then we forget to realize there is great privilege of serving under the King. There's great privilege of uniting ourselves with Christ. What are some of those privileges? Tell me. What are the some... Because you are united with Christ, what are the things that we receive from that? Eternity. Forgiveness. Peace. Holy Spirit. Mercy. Hope. 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 Couple more. Grace. Joy. Okay, let me... Those are all good and, and right answers. But let me ask you, what's the focus of all those answers? No, it's not. Christ is not the focus of those. 
all those things that were said are all things about me. I have hope. I have peace. I have eternity. I have all these things. I have the forgiveness of sins. What does God get? So often we focus on all these things. And what does God get from this? Look at this. There's a purpose. There's a purpose clause in here. You are chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession. You have been purchased. He paid the price for you. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. So that, so that you can proclaim his excellencies. Jesus didn't forgive you of your sins so you can just be forgiven. Jesus forgave you so you can proclaim who he is to this world. That's what, he's, that's what we need to focus our eyes on. Focus up and focus out. But you know what? We focus up and go, wow, look at that. God is so glorious. Right? What do we do? No, God is so glorious. Hey, let's go out and tell people. Let's proclaim that. It's a great privilege. When you read your Bible, this is just a little, a little note for you. Whenever there's a blessing, understand that you need to keep reading because you will get to a responsibility. Because whenever God pours out His blessing, there's always a responsibility that will be attached. Okay? God does not bless for the purpose of blessing you. He blesses you for a specific purpose. And you need to check what that purpose is. In this case, why are they chosen possession for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out? Right? You've been purchased. We need to tell others, tell the world what has taken place within us. Does it make sense? In Matt, turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Just let me set the stage here. This is Matthew, uh, uh, actually Jesus speaking to the multitudes here. He gathers them. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, this verse 1, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. He taught the disciples. He's, he's looking at the disciples and teaching them. There's multiple, multiple peoples around, probably some believers, some non-believers, but he focuses his attention upon the disciples. And he goes through, blessed are what? Blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. All these different things that, that Jesus is pointing out to them. Then in verse 13, after saying all these things, all of saying all these blessings, all these wonderful things that the disciples are, he gives some what? He gives privilege and responsibility here. 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, you've heard this story. You've heard this passage before. You've heard, oh, Tim's talking about salt and light. He wants us to be flavorful in the land. He wants us to spice things up, right? As Christians, we're supposed to be spicy. We're supposed to go into relationships and be spicy. We're supposed to be light. We're, you, know, I, you know, underneath all your seats are candles. And at the end of the service, we're going to light the candles and say, hey, we are one. We are the light of the world. That's not what we're doing. I want to focus on some things here. 
in this passage. And I, I want you to understand, you know, what is your function as a believer in this world? What is the function of a believer? Share the gospel. Is it? Is that the function of a believer? Worship God? Is it, is it to look up and look out? Yeah? To, to worship God? To love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And what? Love what? Others as yourself? Wow, what a concept, huh? Is that biblical? Hmm. Should we do it? Hmm, interesting. Um, some things to think about. If that is the function of the believer, is that the function of your life? Think about it. Is that what you exist for? Is that your purpose? Is that your influence in this world? Because you, you have two choices. You can either be an influence in this world or you can be influenced by the world, right? And so many of us in this room, myself included, are influenced by this world on a regular basis. And in some cases, we are more influenced by this world than we are an influence on this world. I was looking at my calendar this week. And every appointment that I had, every opportunity I had, was all church-related. Every meeting I met with, meeting I met, every person I met with, was all related to church. Everything extracurricular, you know, off hours was church-related. Everything. And I look at the week before, it's the same. And the week before, it's the same. I'll be honest with you, I am a lousy neighbor. I am. I am a, a completely lousy neighbor. You know why? Because I'm too busy. I'm way too busy. I am too busy doing things, quote-unquote, for God. When I have neglected the responsibility of who I am as a disciple of Christ. Think about your own life. Think about your schedule. Think about the influence upon your own life. How are you influencing the world? How are you penetrating the darkness? Um, this past weekend, we had a parenting conference here at the church, and um, my wife and I went to it, and, and, and it, was, it was awesome. It was just so awesome to understand how much of a lousy parent I am. Um, but to get some practical, uh, just biblical truth on, you know what? Uh, my son's five, and it, I still have hope. You know, to, to focus his eyes looking up and looking out. And if your son's 10, they're done. I'm just telling No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you have opportunity. But that's not, the, that's not the point. It was an awesome, awesome time just to see scripturally how I need to be shepherding and, and helping my son look up and look out. That, it was awesome. And so I, I'm trying to find little opportunities this past week to, uh, you know, put, you know, open his eyes to God and all this. And I'm picking him up from school and I'm driving him home. And it was a beautiful day. I think it was on Thursday. It was a beautiful day. And I'm like, Caleb, look at the clouds. Aren't they beautiful clouds? The blue sky, beautiful clouds. And aren't they, isn't it just beautiful? Isn't, isn't it amazing how God has just created that? He's like, yeah, but I like the Dodgers better. <laughs> okay. Do, do you, any of you see any issues with that? Now, now I am a Dodger fan. I, I, I'm, in some ways, I'm embarrassed. Embarrassed you know, about that today. But I'm a Dodger fan. I'll be a Dodger fan. Just stop laughing. Um, I'll be a Dodger fan next year. And, and, you know, we we enjoy watching the Dodgers. We enjoy baseball and all that. But it's got to be in its proper place. So many times we allow these things to be the influence of ours. You know, and I, and I used to say, man, you cut me, I bleed Dodger blue. And if I say that again, will you slap me? 
Because I don't want to bleed Dodger Blue. I want to talk about the man who bled for me. That's what I want to do. So think about these things. Jesus said, you are the light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's being very specific. He wasn't saying you need to be. Hey, oh, by the way, you need to be salt and you need to be light. No, he's being very emphatic. He's being very purposeful. He's being very specific. You are this. You are salt. You are light. There's there's an assumption there that we will live as salt and live as light because that is who we are. said earlier that you are missional. Well, you are missional because God created you to be missional. He created you to be this. It's, it's your identity. Salt has like this preserving factor, flavorful factor. Everybody loves salt. But salt is this, like this hidden element that is in there. You don't necessarily know it's there until you taste it, right? Does anybody know what you taste like? Do you allow people to get into your life? I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about outside these walls. Do you allow people to get into your life so they can see what you're all about. You can see what they're all about. It's like this underlying factor, a hidden, hidden component of who you are that takes in. Now, light is complete opposite. Light is useless until it's what? Lit. Until it goes out. Light is no good if it stays in this room. But what do we do? What do we focus on? We focus so much of our attention is bringing the light here. Don't we? Let's all gather the light together. Sing Kumbaya together. Sing the songs. Light needs to be out in the world and it needs to have interaction with people. We need to change our thinking. We need to change our mindset. And, and I'll be honest with you. Our church has fostered a mentality of ministry has to happen here. All right? That is what we've done. We have fostered this mentality that in order for ministry to happen, you've got to bring people here. And for our outreach and our, uh, our evangelism, it's so, it's so program-driven, it's so church-driven, it's so Francis-driven. You know, I come across people, oh, I've got this friend, I just want to bring him to church so they can hear Francis and get saved. And I say, show me that in Scripture. Where does it say, bring them to church so they can hear Francis? It doesn't say that. You know why? Because you are salt and you are light. God has allowed you to be in that relationship for a reason. I am uh, involved in coaching Little League Baseball. And I love it. I love playing ball with my son there. Man, I just love it. And I enjoy that, but I need to have it in its proper place. And people ask me, um, well, why are you doing that? Well, I work on staff here. I have limited avenues um, in relationship outside of these walls. So I have to be purposeful in those. So my role there, yeah, I'm dad, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach, but my role there is to develop relationships with the men, the dads. Because those dads, you know, some are believers, some are not. And those kids, some are believers, some are not. But I want to be light in that little baseball world. I just got my hair cut, you like it? Pretty good, huh? Um, last a year ago, a guy asked me, "Hey, hey, dude, where'd you get your haircut?" And I kind of don't like telling people because um, all I say is, "Well, it's it's a fantastic place," <laughs> and and my friend my friend Sam recommended it, and and because some people, ooh, you go there, 
And if you work there, you know, God bless you. You know, you created this. It's wonderful. Um, he said, why, why do you go there? And I said, you know what? It's very interesting because I started thinking about that. I'm just kind of drawn there, drawn there. And I was like, oh, it's like fantastic. Center. Okay, whatever. You know, it's not a salon. It's a haircut place. All right. And I go there. But you know who works there? There's a bunch of women that work there. And they're, they speak Farsi. And they're from Iran, Iraq. They're Persian. And I'm like, you know, my mind's thinking, I got to be light to the world. And I'm like, it's a great opportunity just to go get my hair cut and have conversation with people. What an opportunity I have. And I'll be honest with you, I have limited opportunity there. Why? Well, there's some cultural differences there. And it's in some, some places, it's not appropriate for man to have in-depth conversations with women. So women, let me challenge you. Go to Fantastic Sam's. Have great haircuts and, and love people and share with them. But be intentional about those things. We have allowed Cornerstone to be this hub for ministry. As Israel was, come unto me, come here, hear the story, hear about God's fame, come here. We have allowed that to be Cornerstone. When Cornerstone is a church, New Testament church, right? We focus on that. I mean, obviously we're not in the New Testament, but it's a church age. That we are, we have taken this mindset of, like Israel, that come unto me and come here. And we're going to be a hub and everything's going to happen from here. When biblically, though, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. The church is supposed to be going out. Right? We're supposed to be going out. You ever been to an aquarium? Um, I love taking my family to an aquarium. My, my, my wife adores dolphins. And, and there's a really neat thing about uh, dolphins and my wife that she thinks she's a dolphin. <laughs> oh, not, not really, not really. But, but whenever she sees dolphins, she's like, oh, if I could just swim with the dolphins. Like she doesn't want to like, sit in the stands and go, wow, look at, look at that, uh, you know, flipper, you know, whatever. She wants to hop in there and swim with the dolphins. When she sees the trainers like standing on the back of the dolphins and riding those things, she's like, that's me. Her, her life would be complete. Noble, noble, noble thing for her. But I'm just kidding. She's in the audience, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be paying for this today. <laughs> but her mindset is like, I want to be there. And that becomes our mindset that instead of being the one that wants to jump in, we're the, we're actual, we're the keepers of the aquarium. And we want to present where all the fish, where all the Christian fish are. And, you know, if people come and they see us, they're going to want to jump into the aquarium with us. Is that what we're supposed to be doing? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. You know, when you think about your life, and you think about what the church is, is supposed to be doing, the church is designed, the church is there to equip you, right? To equip you for ministry. To equip you and send you out. That's what we're here for. When you think about your life, and you think about your, your role as a disciple of Christ, are you pointing people to the cross or are you pointing people to Cornerstone? So many times we, we allow this crutch of this building, of this church to come alongside us and instead of introducing people to Jesus, we introduce them to what? Church. And is there anything wrong with that? No, in itself, no. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with you bringing your friends to church. That's not what we're saying. We're not going to put, like, you know, make you sign a pass that, you know, you've, you're a regular attender or anything. No, come. Bring your friends. If you're a friend today that we're taught, you know, ask your friend when you go out to lunch today, hey, what'd you bring me? Ask them. 
Ask Him that. But we need to be a hub that's going to equip you for ministry to send you out. That's what we're designed to do. Are you a people? Are you a people that desire, or are you, and I'm sorry, if you are, are you a people that you want to bring people to the church, or do you want to be a kingdom people that takes the church to the world? Some things to think about. When I was um, in high school, as a junior and senior, I had my ID card towards high school. And on that card, I had a little stamp. Anybody know what that stamp might be? The what? ASB. Yeah, ASB, but I had another one too. What? Lunch pass. <laughs> right? On my ID. How many of you had a lunch pass? Do you get those now? I don't know if they, they're like, it's like a Gestapo, man. You're not allowed to do anything now. But I had this pass on my ID that for 42 minutes a day, I was given the freedom to get off campus, right? I was, I, you know, as soon as that bell rang, I took that pass and I, you know, and I'm walking to the car, I'm walking to the car, I'm doing my thing, I'm hopping to my friend's car, we're going to uh, Dominic's Pizza in the mall, we're grabbing our pizza, we're grabbing our Coke, we're eating for 42 minutes and cruising back. And we come back, yeah, I had my lunch pass. And we get back. I want you to understand today, okay, that you have a lunch pass. Okay? You have a lunch pass and there's no time limit. You don't have to come back. Okay? Some of you, your entire life revolves around Cornerstone Church. And for that, I'm sorry. Because we have fostered that and we have done, done you wrong. Because we have not equipped you to understand that you need to be looking out, looking up and looking out. If you're here seven days a week, don't come. All right? Because you need to be getting into the world that God has placed you. The relationships that God has placed you in. You need to foster those relationships, develop those relationships. Why? Because you are what? You are salt and you are light. Why? Let your light shine. Why? Look at this. In the same way, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? There's another purpose here so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You have the off-campus pass, people. Get out there. Get out there. This morning, we're unveiling our new, our new outreach um, evangelism program here. Can anybody have a bulletin? Can I borrow a bulletin? Anybody? All right. Here we go. Take this out. Turn it on the back. It says, Our Purpose. I don't know if you ever looked at that. We do have a purpose. To give every individual an accurate picture of God. Is that a good thing? What would an accurate picture of God be? An accurate picture of God would be seeing God highly and exalted, but also understanding what it means to follow Him, right? Right? You want to know what our outreach and evangelism program is? Don't look at me. Look at the people around you. Right now. Look at the people around you. Look at your husband. Look at your wife. Look at the friend. Look at the guy with the big head in front of you. It's him. It's you, because he's looking back at you. You, you are the salt and the light. You are the outreach program. So many people come to me and, and come to our church and start complaining. say, why are we focusing on Africa? Why are we focusing on Ethiopia? Why are we doing all this? Why are we sending so much money overseas? Well, there's, there's, a, there's an explanation for that. 
We are, we are sending money, we are sending resources to places that are in, in, in chaos, in complete darkness. In some places, there are absolutely no avenues for the gospel to go in. And so we are focusing our eyes there. We are trying to focus some attention there because they have nothing. Well, what about our community? You know what? We've got 4,000 people in our church that need to be salt and light in this. God has already got the plan. You are part of God's redemptive plan for Simi Valley. You are part of God's redemptive plan for Southern California. It's whether or not you're going to step up to that and understand, wow, that's my plan. That's God's plan. That's my plan because I'm a follower of Christ. Does that make sense? Is that painful? No. It's privilege. It's a privilege. You are God's possession so that what? You may proclaim the excellencies. So how are we going to do this? Well, a couple of things to think about. We need to develop a heart like God's. Scripture is full of, of, of pictures of the character of God. We need to develop a heart like God. Why? Because once we understand God's heart, it's going to be a natural flow. An accurate picture of God will bring, bring a natural flow um, to our lives and the people around us. I was talking with a guy today. He says, you know what? The more I understand God and the more I focus my eyes on God, I just find myself naturally loving the people around me. What a concept. Imagine that. Once we understand who God is, we start loving people around us. Why? Because God loves the people around you. That's his character. Jonathan Edwards says, I count it my duty. Not Jonathan Edwards, the like mystic guy who like, Talks to dead people, okay? This is like the old Puritan pastor. Jonathan Edwards said this, I count it my duty to raise people's affections to that which is truly worthy. I count it my duty to, to raise people's thoughts, raise people's emotions, raise people's affections to that which is truly worthy. The question is, what is truly worthy? God and God alone. But before you can raise people's affections, your affections have to be raised. Right? Hey, you need to look at Christ. You need to look high, see God high and lifted up. You know, if I'm telling you, you should ask me, are you? Are you doing that? One of the first things that we need to be doing is develop a heart like His. Second thing, evaluate your life. Take inventory of your life. Look at the relationships that you're in. If all your friendships, your significant friendships, are people related to this church or people related to the kingdom of God, the believers, you got issues. Because you are not salt and light. You're not being salt and light. And you can ask me the same thing. I want to be a better neighbor. I, I need to re- readjust my schedule. You know, I love you guys, but I need to stop meeting with some of you. And if I meet with you, I'm, I'm not you specifically. But, you know, Anyone else? I'm just kidding. Everybody's going to email, so you don't want to meet with me anymore? No, no that's not the... That, you understand. You understand. But things need to be shuffled around and changed. Why? Because I need to be salt and light. I need to be salt and light. You need to be salt and light. God has allowed you the place where you're at. Understand your position. Understand, I'm talking your physical position. Where you're at work, where you're at school, when you're home, when you're in your studies, when you're in your sporting events, whatever the case may be, understand the position that God has put you in. You're like a paratrooper. Paratrooper, what happens? They jump out of the airplane. Why? Because they land where all the allies are and they have a good time with the allies, Right? No, paratrooper has a specific job. He understands this. When he gets dropped from that plane, he is not falling into nice territory, is he? 
He's falling into hostile territory where the enemy, en- enemy is. And that's his role, that's his responsibility to play in that area. Right? To influence that area. God has placed you where you're at for a reason. If you're at Royal High School, be a light at Royal High School. And a light does not mean let's grab all the Christians and get them together so we can be a little light together. No. You know, that's what we do. That's what we do. Our goal, our desire is try to gather all the Christians so we can just be huddled together. Uh Uh-uh. We've got to get out there. We've got to get out there. Reposition yourself. You know, when you think about your kids, are you raising your kids to be light? Or are you raising your kids to live protected lives away from this world? Because all we're doing if we do that is raising our kids to honor Christ with their lips, but their hearts aren't from Him. Because they don't have God's heart. Think about those things. I have to think about those things when I raise my kids. Living is light in the world. Set the example for them. Last thing. You have already been sent. Jesus said, you are this. Go. Go. All authority has been given to me. You are my witnesses. You are to do this. You have already been sent, people. I'm not up here to say, you know what? This is a commissioning service. Get up and go. Reach the world. No. You already know this. It's in your DNA. It is who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. You have been sent already. You have been sent already. Start impacting your community. Start impacting your relationships. Dive in. Our church exists here to help you in that, to equip you, to mobilize you in that, to love you in that, to encourage you, to educate you in that. But you know what? God has given you specific instructions to be salt and light. Let's pray. God, thanks. Thanks for um, your word. Lord, thank you for uh, the reality that your word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it divides our soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Lord, so we ask that you would just come, Lord, and you would show us those things in our life, Lord, that we are being influenced by. Lord, may, may we just take inventory and see you high and lifted up. And Lord, may we look out as well and see what needs to be done in our community, Lord. May we love our neighbor. May we love the people in our, in our workplace. May we love the people in our school. May we love our teachers. May we love everyone around us and be light to them, Lord, that they will one day understand who you are and have an accurate picture of who you are because of the way we live our lives. Thanks, Jesus, for the opportunity in that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.